Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. In this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, you're going to meet Dr. Polly Watson. She is a spitfire of an OB-GYN doctor. I loved talking to her. We talk all about women's sexuality, about menopause, about her catalyst moment when she realized she had to reach outside of her conventional training to learn how to service her patients in a better way. She's helping women redefine midlife and empowering them to restore their hormonal health so they can regain their energy, sexual health, and mental strength. She focuses on menopausal medicine, and she started doing this early in her career. She sought out additional training from the North American Menopause Society, as well as the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. But despite this extensive training, women are still coming into her practice with questions that she didn't have answer to. So she addressed this gap. She started attending conferences in integrative medicine and functional medicine. It was a totally different way of practicing medicine. And she found as a gynecologist and a menopause specialist, looking at the whole person makes so much more sense. Now, working with women, we can't balance healthy levels of estrogen or progesterone and testosterone without addressing blood sugar, stress, the gut microbiome, and the patient's ability to detox. She's been practicing functional medicine since being certified through IFM in 2019. And let me tell you, buckle up. This is a fun conversation. She is a joy to listen to and enjoy our discussion about women's health, vitality, functional medicine, everything in between, and what we would call second puberty. Here's Dr. Polly Watson. Oh my goodness, Dr. Polly Watson, I am so excited to have you on the Catalyst Podcast because we are going to geek out about all things women and sexuality and the future of medicine and innovation. And thank you again for being here. Well, thanks so much for having me. It is fabulous to be here and it's great to share energy with you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So we have, I think, kindred spirits because Dr. Polly is on a mission. I feel that what you're doing is so incredible. You're occupying this space that's sort of an intersection of functional and conventional medicine and really wanting to give a stage to women's health and sexuality and especially menopause. So share with me why you were driven so early in your career. Usually it happens when we're all approaching menopause, but you were like driven early. Hey, I want to address this. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Well, when my mom was 38, she started going through menopause and she went to the doctor and, um, you know, life was stressful. She had a blended family, whatever. And she would go into the doctor and she would start to cry. And the doctor wanted to get out of that room so quickly. So not only did she not get the medical care she needed and deserved because she really was an early ovarian failure and really did need hormones to protect her bones and all those things, but she was really dismissed and not heard. And even as an adolescent in the room with her, I knew that this wasn't right. And so 
I really wanted to serve women differently. And, you know, even as kind of an adolescent, I'm like, dude, I can do this better. (laughs) Not right. And then in my own health journey, you know, 38, 39 changes started happening. I knew what was going on. I could handle it. But it is so interesting to be a doctor and be on the patient end of things, right? Yes, ma'am. As a woman with PCOS going into my OBGYN and saying, hey, I have PCOS. This is going to bump up my risk of miscarriage. When I was pregnant, we would give metformin in the first trimester to decrease that. And they would say, but you're not fat and hairy. You don't have PCOS. I was like, yes, I do. And here's the data. Let's go. So I think that um, I have been really inspired by my own journey, my mom's journey, and trying to create a space where women get heard and really get engaged with so that they can get some power back in that relationship. That is, that is, yes, that is so beautiful. And especially with, we don't know what we don't know as practitioners and as patients. So long ago, there was this, this inherent assumed trusted authority in a doctor. And I mean, that's great, right? But also our medical training system is kind of not the best. We're not learning about nutrition. We're really not learning about menopause. I mean, for God's sake, we really don't get that in-depth knowledge. And I love that you're part of the North American Menopause Society. And patients don't even know that that is something that is additional, that they assume if you're OB-GYN, if you're primary care, that you all think the same. And we don't. We don't We don't know what we don't know. And you're kind of there bridging that gap as both patient advocate and as a physician saying, hey, there's a lot more to this story that you might not be aware of. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on what would you say is like the most common thing that is just maybe misdiagnosed or ignored in menopause or anything that you'd like to, to talk about in that area? Well, one thing that makes me crazy is that so many women are struggling with sexual pain and it takes so much courage for a woman in a healthcare setting to even bring up sexuality or libido or any of these issues that oftentimes when she finally gets the courage to bring that up, oftentimes she's not given great advice, right? She might be given something like just use a lubricant. Well, as the vagina changes in menopause and it's getting less blood flow when it has less estrogen, the tissues can't stretch, right? So lubricant's going to make the vagina slippery, but it's not going to make it stretch. It's not going to have it be this lush engorged, beautiful, healthy tissue, right? And so that's not really going to fix her problem. And so, so many women are not aware that vaginal hormone administration is exceptionally safe, has very little systemic absorption and works extraordinarily well. So for a woman to not be given good, accurate, up-to-date information on something that's a really easy fix, she is suffering miserably. Her relationship might be suffering. Her sexuality and her pleasure might be suffering. These are all really important parts in healthcare, right? Yes. And so the fact that that really common 
issue is not handled well in so many situations, I just think is a travesty because this isn't rocket science, right? It's right. It's not hard to fix. It's not risky to fix. And yet, you know, I had one patient come in and she says, I think it was malpractice that wasn't addressed sooner. And I thought, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's okay if you're a healthcare provider and you're not comfortable handling vaginal health, you know, maybe you're an ophthalmologist or a psychiatrist and that's not within your scope of practice. Awesome. Totally cool. Ophthalmology and psychiatry are outside of my scope of practice, but I have people in my community that do those things. Right. And so my hope would be that if you're a healthcare provider and you're listening, maybe you go on North American Menopause Society website, or maybe you go on International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health or ISHWICH and find someone in your area that can serve this very important need for your patient because it deserves time and attention. And it's just as valuable as part of their healthcare as any other part of their healthcare. Oh my goodness. Yes. 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 To all the things, because I really feel that, oh, there's so many ways my brain is is thinking we do a disservice for all of us when we stop sexual health education at high school. I mean, that is what it is. And for those listening that may not know, I have a bunch of my artwork in my office. And one of the pieces I did to kind of, you know, both make a statement, but also embarrass my kids a little is I made a sound wave of what it looks like when you say the word puberty, because who else has puberty on their wall for the display of all of Greene County, Wisconsin. But it did serve a dual purpose is I feel like we are so in the dark with our own health care as a consumer, as a patient, that we rely on Google or we rely on reactive things instead of being proactive. And this is what you're doing. You're a spitfire. You have such a drive and a passion to educate. And that's so needed. We need to continue this puberty discussion of healthcare beyond puberty and have high school not be the last time that we learn about our bodies and, and making it normal and not taboo to have discussion, you know, not just with your provider, but with your, your girlfriends, your friends, just common people that can educate about what to expect as we age. And I also love that you're saying it's okay to not know everything, but please, you know, ask the questions and find the resources. I think sexual health would be a great vital sign. You know, how are you doing? Um, Are you doing something creative? Everybody knows that I love creativity as the sixth vital sign. Well, maybe sexual health is a lucky seven, you know, are you enjoying your body? I mean, that's a lucky seven. Let's do this. Right. And it's not something to be ashamed about. It's a normal human function and sadly is ignored. So I think we're all lucky to know that you're, you're in this group that is growing. How do you see, do you see this as like kind of a growing thing where more people are becoming aware? Do you still think it's kind of quiet? I am surprised about how little women know about sort of a second puberty or perimenopause, right? And I would love to be part of a collection of voices that flips the narrative. And instead of having this transition to menopause being dawn, 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 the beginning of the end, right? Could we flip this and say, hey, this is a great transition. I have given my body to being a reproductive female, to being a, maybe a mother, to nursing, to all these things. And now this third to maybe half of my life, my body is mine again. Yes. Now that I'm going through this transition, right? When I went through puberty the first time, 
I didn't have autonomy. I didn't have a functioning frontal lobe. I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't know how to set boundaries. Now at 48, I have a functioning frontal lobe. I'm way smarter than I was. I can set boundaries and I've got some resources. So can we embrace this change as a positive transition, use our functioning frontal lobe and get some information and employ it, and let's make this be about women rocking this second chapter of their lives rather than, oh, well, you're over 40. You're going to be fat and tired. It's all downhill from there. I oh, yes. to accept that. Right? Yes. Oh, I'm my goodness. 40, and I, I am so much smarter than I was when I was 28. And I can I take such better care of myself than I did when I was 28. Like, this is, this is awesome. And eventually, as much as I love my children, they will leave the house and I will get to have more fun. Right? Oh, yes, girl. Oh, my goodness. I am right there with you. Maybe we'll be neighbors. Maybe we'll get at a conference together because that is true. If we embrace, it's all about mindset as well, which can shape our reality. And we are long overdue for a mindset shift in menopause. We are long overdue for this embracing of a natural transition, but also being aware that we can make this a healthier transition instead of a, uh, in the dark, you know, well, you're past your prime, you know, no, this is something to celebrate and to partner with a practitioner that can help you in whatever unique ways there are. And you define this almost like a catalyst of change, right? Like this is tiny, but it's massive. And you had your own catalyst moment. You said when you were sitting in in an international meeting for experts, would you like to talk about that? What made you kind of think differently? Well, you know, as a conventionally trained doctor, Women were coming in with garbage bags full of supplements, and I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. I would go run into my office, Google things, PubMed things, get on up to date, try to figure out what they were talking about, and run back right back. And I started realizing that there were holes in my education that I needed to fill. And so when I was at this large international women's health meeting, a lot of the women doctors, you know, here we are, we're all kind of middle age, we're thinking about it. And we're, we're talking amongst each other and, and women are talking about adrenal fatigue. And, and one woman looked at me, she's like, do you know what they're talking about? And I, you know, this was like, I don't know, almost 15 years ago. And I was like, no. And, and so we stood up at the meeting, you know, you get to ask, it was pre-COVID, you get to ask questions. And we really got shut down. Like that doesn't exist right? That's not a real scientific thing. It doesn't exist. And I thought, wow, I feel as a doctor, like a lot of my patients must feel in a medical setting. And I realized that I need to develop a medical community that has curiosity, that's willing to start investigating some of these things because my patients are coming in with it, right? And telling them that this just doesn't exist doesn't validate their experience, right? It also isn't who, you know, we want to be as creative, curious, right? Yes, yes. Learn more. We went into this because we find health fascinating and we're going to continue to learn. And so that was a real moment of change for me where I was like, okay, I need to get some more training I need to find, I can can work in this community, but I need to find another community of folks that are, hey, we may not completely understand this. And maybe, sure, adrenal fatigue is not a um, 
professionally medically accepted term. Fine. Got it all day long. But what are these women talking about? They're talking about feeling like their energy is not good. They're having brain fog. They're having sleep disruption. They're having all of these things. Can I understand better what they're talking about? Understand how to test it, understand how to treat it rather than just shutting them down. Oh, yes, that's so true. And Sadly, it's this precipice, I think, that we're at where we have practitioners as heart-centered as you that are willing to step aside and go, maybe I should be looking and examining this with curiosity and, and, and more open to other views that we might be missing things here and having, like you said, holes in your education. You know, I know my nutrition education was very minimal and, and it's just mind boggling when you finally go into a different space, like, you know, IFM or SAFM or A4M, some of these functional medicine training places. And you go, wow, there's a lot of evidence out there of things that you know, we can't possibly know it all. And so when you start to see the fastness of how much we don't understand about the body, you start to really get more dialed into, you know, there is more out there that I can help with. And there is complexity that's so big, you know, gut microbiome affecting hormones, things that, you know, you wouldn't think to, to tie together and we're living longer now more than ever. And there's a lot of that disinformation, you know, about hormone therapy. So what would you say is one way that you know, you would hope medicine changes in the future. Do you have any little idealized view of what you'd love women's health to look like? Well, it would be really great if we could create a medical space where women in menopause were not coming into their doctor and getting quoted the WHI, right? Yes. You know, very few people are still prescribing Premarin and Prempro. There you are want to explain WHI for those oh, of us that oh, aren't sorry. doctors? So yeah. The Women's Health Initiative was a study that was done in the early 2000s, was looking at um, Premarin, which is pregnant horse urine estrogen and medroxyprogesterone acetate. And there are lots of flaws with the study, but from that, there was generated an enormous amount of fear about the risk of breast cancer with hormone replacement therapy. And since that study, there's been a lot of European data, specifically the E4 N trial, looking at different progesterones. So a bioidentical progesterone conferring cardiovascular protection, as well as not showing that bump, it was very slight in breast cancer. And so women deserve up-to-date information and not just fear, right? Yes. And I think the other thing that is so important is that one of the things I say over and over and over again to women is that when we look at neurocognitive decline in this country, Western medicine does not offer us a whole lot of resources for that very, very enormous problem. And there's so much emerging data on the protection of hormones on the brain that God forbid anyone were to ever get breast cancer. And I certainly don't wanna minimize that experience, but our Western medicine knows how to deal with breast cancer fairly well, right? When you look at breast cancer deaths between hormone users and hormone non-users, they're the same. But when we look at neurocognitive decline in this country and the cost of that financially, emotionally, spiritually, all the cost 
Yes. We're not offering women hormones that might protect their brain. We need a lot more research in this area and we need to prioritize it. But I think the medical community is still stuck in this model of fear that we're really not making available more resources in this area that we all desperately need as a society, as a community, right? Oh my gosh. That's such beautiful, very eloquently and beautifully said, Polly, because it is fear-based and I feel like it is sort of an American fear-based because dare I say litigious, you know, malpractice really drives a lot of decisions of, well, I've got to cover everything, make sure I don't do something that the cousin from Albuquerque visiting in the funeral would then want to sue me over, you know, all these like fear mongering ideas. And, you know, what you're saying is so true that you're kind of highlighting the personalization and precision that medicine has to take. It isn't black and white. And I think both doctors and patients on both sides of the desk, it would feel more comfortable if it was black and white. Well, yes or no, you know, good or bad. And it isn't. And and I think it is hard and uncomfortable to sit in the gray, but that is where we're at. And we need to honor that. And patients coming in saying, well, it's not working for me or what should I do? And that's okay. And have patients understand that there isn't going to be the same treatment that you have that your neighbor benefited from, you know, and, and opening all of our minds to the collective that it takes a lot to heal us. It's not just the prescription pad, it's right. lifestyle. And that's what drove you into functional medicine is, you know, as far as all the other tools. So tell me about a bit about how your practice is different, you know, compared to others with the tools you have. Well, I think when I was functioning in a conventional space, right? So I finished medical school in 2000. I didn't really start learning about integrative holistic functional medicine until like maybe 2014. My initial, and I got into menopause pretty early in my career, but I was just sort of thinking about menopause as you're out of gas. I give you some more gas back and we're done. Right. And, and it was really linear and it was really simple. And now I understand so much more, like you mentioned, the connection between the gut microbiome and hormones, the connection between insulin and blood sugar and hormones, the connection between cortisol and stress hormones and your sex hormones, what's your thyroid doing? Um, How is all this affecting your blood pressure and your vascular health and your immune system? And so we're not looking just at here, take some hormones, see ya, you'll be all better. Mm-hmm. But again, where's your diet? Are we starting with the basics? Are you getting some sleep? Are you, do you have an active stress management program in your life? Are you having clean nutrition? Are you limiting toxins? And then how are the hormones we're giving you if you choose to take hormones? How are they being metabolized? What's happening in your liver? What's happening in your gut? What's that intersection with cortisol? Where's the thyroid at? And so instead of a line, it's now like a big web and understanding, like if you pull on one string of the web, how it's going to affect the entire picture. And so the thing that I love about functional medicine is that the patient gets their power back, right? I can't go home with them and tell them when to go to bed or what to put on their plate or that it's time to meditate now. And when they reclaim responsibility for their own care and they reclaim their responsibility for making these health affirming choices all throughout their day, right, then they get their power back. 
right? And then this isn't this, oh, well, it's me and I'm in life and I'm going to feel tired and exhausted and not want to have sex anymore. It's, hey, there are all these things that I can do about it. And I'm becoming the best version of myself that I can be, right? And that's exciting. Yes, right? it's exciting. Also can be overwhelming. Don't you agree? I think some patients... And, you know, I think a lot of us women tend to be good list makers and good, like dutiful moms or partners or whatever. And so we think, oh, we got to do all the things perfectly. And as you know, it's hard. Nobody's perfect. Nobody can do it all. And so you're supporting patients in that way by being human and saying, here is the ways that you can impact your health, but you don't have to do it all. And also you're there to support them in those times that we anticipate it's going to be hard. You're going to fall off. This is the Prochaska wheel of, you know, human change and behavior change that this is something that is expected. And you give them that safety net. I think that's beautiful. And we all have ebbs and flows, right? Like, you know, we all, I just got back from Italy and I had alcohol and caffeine and gluten and dairy and all the things that I never have because I was in Italy. And the last time I was in Italy was 30 years ago, right? So, um, you know, we are going to have ebbs and flows and there are times for moments of celebration. So we're not trying to convey to potential patients that functional medicine is this austere life. But we would right. like to flip that a really beautiful salad with some roasted beets from your garden and some gorgeous nuts and some really high quality olive oil becomes your preferred meal of choice rather than the fried chicken drive through right? Mm-hmm. So, so there is there is give and take, there is balance, but hopefully we're trying to kind of elevate what normal is. Yes, yes. And, you know, when we elevate, and like you said, it also is sort of, we have to take care of what fire is the biggest, right? Putting out fires. And you mentioned the cognitive decline, and that really is center stage. If you look at the stats, it's really foreboding to see that our tiny chronic health issues and tiny bad habits or not so healthy habits are stacking up into this mess of financial catastrophe with cognitive decline and just are, are, nobody wants to age that way. That's not ideal. And yet we're concentrating on that WHI study of, of breast cancer. But when you look at the whole massive equation, we really should be looking at longevity and spending our golden years as golden as possible. Um, and the only way I think to support this is to allow that flux that you're doing and you're helping patients see that you're still there, you know, that if things go off track, there are ways to help your physiology get back on track. And you don't have to just soldier through and all of this stuff. Cause like you said, menopause is what a third to half of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so important. When we're thinking about women's health and we're thinking about neurocognitive decline that we're thinking about the people that are affected by that disease, but we're also thinking about their caregivers, right? Because oftentimes you see such a degradation of the health of the caregiver in that partnership when someone has a neurocognitive decline or in that family unit, right? So when we're having this big picture view, it's not only protecting the health of the people that are suffering from the neurocognitive decline, but what about the health of their caregivers and the people in their family unit? What's happening to that family unit? And I right. This, this problem is such an enormous rock that's being dropped in our pool, if you will, but the ripples are also very significant. 
And I, and, and flipping that your ripples of dealing with a patient is also generational, right? This is how I feel the shift from going from primary care to a functional medicine practice in my own community. It was difficult for me at first because I felt like I was serving less people. And I thought, well, that's not what I went into medicine for. And it kind of was a uncomfortable cognitive dissonance where I thought, ooh, this doesn't feel right until I realized, wait a second, there are so many people that I'm influencing that never will talk to me because that one person has started changing how they view their body and their kids are changing and then their cousin and their aunt. And, you know, so this is the beauty that you don't have to see everybody physically, but the family system is powerful. And by providing education and resources, you're changing lives for generations to come. I think that's amazing. So what do you, tell me a little bit about your practice. Tell me how that works. So we have a membership-based practice, thanks to you, Dr. Laura, and kind of making that change. And so we maybe have alluded to the fact that some folks find functional medicine a little overwhelming, right? Instead of having this linear idea of menopause being you're out of hormones, I'm going to give you hormones, we're done. We're looking at all of those complex things, how you're metabolizing the hormones, what your gut doing, what are your blood sugar doing, all the things. And so it was really helpful for me to go through your program and learn how to set up a membership so that the benefit of this is that we have a weekly open office hour. So every single week, there is a webinar that is recorded on a given topic. And then there's 30 minutes of question and answer. And for me, that has helped me get so much more organized in how I'm communicating and, and sharing information with patients. So that when I'm in in the office with them, I can pull up a big screen behind me and show them a slide deck on whatever we're talking about, right? So I have slides from the WHI, I have slides from E3N trial, I have, and, and, and some of them are infographics and you know, they're not all like you're coming in to like go to school, but there are a lot of people that are visual learners and they yes. need it more ways than once and they might need to go home and review it again. And so this is a way that when you come in and you spend, you know, we're used to these sort of 12 minute doctor's appointments. When a patient comes in to see me, it's a 90 minute appointment. It's a, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of time. Then when they go home, they can say, okay, we talked about that microbiome. I've got three videos I can watch on that. We talked about adrenal dysfunction. I've got three videos I can watch on that. And, and when their partner says, hey, what happened at that appointment? If they look at them and they're blank, they have all kinds of resources they can fall back on. So we're trying to support people as they're going through the journey with a tremendous amount of education. So that, again, trying to really support them and getting their power back and really making positive health changes every single day. Yes, that is so beautiful and absolutely is something that people don't realize, at least practitioners, they think group visits, open office hours sounds really difficult. Why would I do that? It's intimidating, but actually there's a method to that madness. And also it serves more than one purpose. Like you said, organization, that is exactly why I started it two and a half years ago is I wanted to organize my own thoughts on treating and going through these protocols and learning at the conferences. And I wanted to put them in little you know, nice organized ways so that I could just pop up a slide and explain to a patient. And also I didn't want to explain the same thing over and over again. So I would have one topic record it. And then I had this archived 
lecture on Hashimoto's or LDN or whatever. And I could refer back, like you said, it's sort of a supplemental going back to college in yourself. Like it's a, it's a little curriculum that's personalized and patients love that because they get glossy eyed. I mean, when you're talking, it's like me and my financial or accountant's office. I don't, I don't know any of the words I'm, I leave. I, I think everything's okay. I have no idea, you know? And so if they had little videos, I might want to learn a little more to educate. Right. And you're doing right. this service. You're helping them really understand as much as they're comfortable with, or their spouse can re- and can learn and read. And you're helping them learn in the different ways they can learn visual written, you know, and this is really great to have this like impact for generations to come. I love that. What would you say is the biggest thing that you have learned over the last year in your personal practice? It's so important to figure out where someone is and where their entry point is, right? So functional medicine is a lot of biochemistry, right? We love to test the gut microbiome. We love to do our organic acids. Oh, let me get in your mitochondria. Let me, let me, you know, learn all about this. And I think as I've matured in my functional medicine practice, while all those things are fabulous and really important, if someone hasn't figured out how to feed themselves, if someone hasn't figured out how to give themselves a bedtime, if someone isn't employing healthy boundaries and saying no and, and, and valuing their themselves to practice self-care that has to be done first. Right. Brilliant. So sometimes I'll say, you know, Hey, look, we can do all these cool hormone metabolite tests, but I think the first thing for you to do is to make sure that your body isn't starving, that you haven't worked a 12 hour shift and forgotten to eat. Right. I can't balance your hormones, quote unquote, right? If your cortisol's through the roof and you're hypoglycemic, right? Insulin's a hormone too. Cortisol is a hormone too. So before we start with the fancy stuff, it's really important to make sure our basics are in place. Oh, oh, that is so perfect. Absolutely. And also practitioners, I think this is correlated patients overcomplicate and want the fancy, cool razzle dazzle of give me the latest, greatest hormone stuff. And, and you're taking it down to basics saying, well, that, yes, that's one place we can go, but we really need to get those basics in, you know, locked and loaded and foundational healing. And then practitioners get overwhelmed with functional medicine, thinking they have to do all those things. And really it's the basics of how organized are you running your clinic? Do you know where to find the resources at like right now at your fingertips? Can you help service your patients outside the one-on-one visit? Because if you can't do any of those things, it's going to be very difficult to enjoy your career. If you can't provide value outside of your own one-on-one time, we can't service these patients. And that means pre-recorded lab interpretation videos or, you know, open office hours or whatever you want to call it, group visits. And this is the the new innovation, I think, of allowing functional medicine to be accessible in different ways that don't feel so overwhelming because the basics are just how organized you are. Um, if you could say one favorite tech app tool, do you have one that you love that organizes your life a little better? Well, I think you already touched on it. So part of your program encourages us to do video lab interpretation. So we use Loom videos to, there's a little screen, you know, picture of you and you're narrating their lab interpretation. And I think one, patients love that. But two, it's one more way that I am giving them some power back. 
So in between appointments, if they get a lab back, I do a video lab review and I will often give them homework and I'll say, okay, here's your GI map test. It looks like you have SIBO and yeast. There's a video on SIBO and yeast. I want you to watch those videos before you see me. Yes. So, so that when they come in for their appointment, education is done. I'm glad to answer any questions. We're moving on to treatment plan, yes. right? And so it's, it's accomplishing so many things, right? Oftentimes patients get lab results back and they see all this red on the lab report and they're petrified. They think they're going to die. We need to lower that cortisol, right? Lower that stress response. Hey, you're not going to die. This is, yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever seen a normal GI map test, right? right. Like, oh, it's going to be something. And, and then they have some things that they can be working on before we see each other. Because I think that's such a fundamental difference between being a conventional medicine patient and a functional medicine patient. A functional medicine patient is owning their own health. They, it is a very partnered experience. They are really driving this ship. Yes. And we want to keep giving them, okay, here's the information. Here's some more support. You got to do a little homework before I see you next, because we're going to hit the ground running. Right? I love that. And, and, you know, also you, you are mentioning that this is also a little bit of a psychological benefit because I think in conventional medicine, because we're so rushed, we're busy. We often get the labs, we kind of sign them and the patient never sees them or they see them without explanation. And it feels very hidden and taboo. Why hasn't my doctor contacted me yet? I saw my potassium was high, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like 0.1 over the normal limit. Right. And so patients are nervous and worried that there's not enough communication. So then when they finally meet the doctor in the office, they get this quick rushed interpretation of this lab. And then suddenly they're on to treatment or adjustment of medicines. And then they're out the door and it feels very scary. It can feel very rushed and almost like, okay, are you sure you didn't really check? Well, the sodium is actually 0.1 over as well. Is that something I need to worry about? Why did you only talk about the potassium? You know, all these very understandable questions, but what you're doing is psychologically, you're providing this tone of calmness of here's your information. You have time to watch the video several times. If you want, you have time to take notes. You have time to look at questions you might have, and I will see you in a week and we can talk more about how we're getting you better. And there's no tricks up your sleeve. It's like, here's your information. And this is the tone that I wish we could have for everybody, because I think we tend to feel everything is urgent and it's not, you know, very rarely. And this is helping patients understand and trust what you're doing and then be excited to say, oh, so I'm not having to rush and I can, I can digest this haha, <laughs> literally. And I can understand what my GI map says and your friendly little face is in the corner. And that gives me psychological safety knowing, okay, you're looking at this, you're, you're watching it. And so I think it does so many other things than just convey information. You're, you're building that relationship. Um, and I just think it's so amazing what you're doing. I feel like we could talk about this forever before we conclude, where can people find more about you? So my practice is called Hormone Wellness MD. And so our website is Hormone Wellness MD. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all those things. Um, We are really excited to flip the narrative on midlife women's health. You know, women deserve more. And we deserve to enjoy this part of our lives to the fullest and rock menopause. This is not the beginning of the end. 
This is the beginning of getting your body back and hopefully getting some time for yourself and really enjoying this chapter of your life. So I'm really excited to be hopefully a positive voice in this transition. I couldn't have said it any better. Dr. Polly Watson, you are definitely a catalyst. We have all loved having your energy in our catalyst mentorship. And for those that are interested in joining, definitely click the show notes, check out drlarasalier.com. And we have lots of low cost ways to get involved, but also we would love to have you join the catalyst studio to meet wonderful practitioners like Dr. Polly. Um, It's a lot of energy and we're all better for it. We're learning from each other. We We love brainstorming and co-creating a better medicine for all of us in healthcare. So thank you, Dr. Polly. And I can't wait to talk with you again. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Laura. And I just want to give a shout out that Dr. Laura's mentorship is this little cocoon of love. When you are leaving conventional medicine and trying to start in functional or integrative medicine, it can feel lonely. It can feel scary. And here's this wonderful little collective of other like-minded people who are on the path with you with this fabulous leader, really trying to help you get organized and get clarity. And so I am just so grateful for you and the the Catalyst community, because it really gives me so much energy to pop on there every few weeks and see some friendly faces. So thank you. Well, those words mean so much to me, Polly. Thank you. Cocoon of love. I love that. makes me want to paint that. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. And likewise, and I appreciate you so much. And thank you for listening and keep coloring outside the lines.